as you know, too, um, we're not passing the plate in the offering uh, for the offering these days. So uh, you can make your way to the box in the back shaped like our church and uh, drop your offerings in there either as you come or as you go or whenever you find convenient. Uh, you can drop them in there. And don't forget about the uh, the playground that we're going to get. <clears throat> you saw the picture on the screen. And, um, boy, I, I hear it's going to be here by Friday. So <laughs> that's a wonderful thing to offer to our children and our community is uh, <clears throat> a brand-new playground out there. And if you'd like to help offset the cost of some of that, just mark it in your envelopes, playground, <clears throat> and it will get where it needs to go. All right? Housekeeping out of the way. The last-minute housekeeping, I should say. You know that we've been in a series, um, and I hope it's been helpful to some of you. Uh, and, the, and the series has been entitled, You Can't Handle This. And we've talked a little bit about um, how the enemy will tell us things, and, and we'll, we'll feel like we just can't handle this, right? We feel right at our most vulnerable point in life. We go through our daily life, and we feel like, you know what, I... I just can't handle this. And the enemy will capitalize on that and will tell you lies. But there's partial truth in these lies. And he'll tell you, remember week one, we talked about how we realized that we we aren't good enough. He'll tell you, you know what, you're not good enough. But then we realize that that it is actually true, that we are not good enough. That's why we need Jesus. And, And the more we rely on him and his help, we don't have to be good enough because we have him to help us. We have the Holy Spirit in us and Jesus to help us walk through these problems and walk through these issues. So when the enemy says you're not good enough, he preaches to you, yeah, you're not good enough. Preach his sermon right back to him and say, you know what, you know what, devil, I'm not good enough. But thanks be to God, I don't have to be because I've got Jesus. And then last week we looked at the fact that we can't please everyone. Remember that? Well, you can't please everyone. And, and we sure can't. But we learned that we can please God. And that's why we live our lives for an audience of one. We don't have to please everyone. And when the enemy comes and says, well, don't even try. You can't please everyone. You say, you know what, devil? You're right. I can't please everyone. But you know who lives inside of me? That's who I'm willing to, or that's who I need to please. An audience of one. I'm not trying to please everyone. So I don't even have to go there. So don't go there, devil. I don't have to. This week we'll look at the simple fact that there are times that you wonder, can I handle this? I, I don't think I can handle this. It's too much. And, and if you've read to the end of the, the scriptures, you know, there, there's, there's an end of the age coming, right? And, and, and some of you would just, would just pray in that way sometimes. Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, come. Come soon, as, as, as John prayed on the Isle of Patmos at the very, very end of the Bible. Come soon, Lord Jesus, come soon. And, and some of you may be wondering, um, is this the end? Is this the end? There are certain things described in Scripture that we know are going to be happening in the end times. So we would ask ourselves, are, are we living in the end times? And today, I know you're on the edge of your seat, I'm going to answer that question. Is this the end? Is this the end? If you would have your Bibles this morning, or your app, or however you get there, turn to the book of Acts. We're going to look at the book of Acts a little bit. We'll jump around a little more. But look at the book of Acts. When we keep in mind, is this the end? Acts chapter 1 and verse 6 
We're going to begin reading this morning. When you have it, say amen. That's enough of you. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So, so when they had come together, when they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So here they go. The disciples are asking these questions. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates. The Father has set by his own authority. Keep that in mind. He says, it's not for you to know. What he's saying is, you guys, you're, you're not going to know. So don't even try. Jesus says, you know, it's not for you to know. Some things that you just won't know. Some things are only known by the Father. Like God knows things, okay? God knows some stuff that you don't know. How many parents realize there are some kids that, there are some things that you know that your kids don't know, right? I tell my kids all the time, I know things. Dad, why do we have to? Because I know stuff. That should be it. Parents said amen, right? But there were some things that you just don't know. And he's telling his disciples this too. It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But he said, you know what? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit... Now notice this. You will receive power. You, you disciples, you're, trying to, you're asking the wrong question. You're saying, oh, is this... He's trying to figure out the end times, right? What's going to happen? When is it going to happen? Are we, going, are we there? Are we headed there? And Jesus says this, you'll receive power. You're trying to figure out when the world's going to end. Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, Jesus has been resurrected for 40 days. Luke says that he's been teaching about the, teaching them about the kingdom of God for 40 days. And at the end of these 40 days, the disciples are like, uh, so is this it? Is this the end now? Are, are we like, are we getting out of here? Are you going to overthrow Rome now? So are, are we done? Are we done here? Jesus says, you guys are focused on the wrong things. The Holy Spirit is going to fill you. You're not going to need to worry about, is this the end? You're not going to be worried about yourself. In fact, he says, you're going to be a witness. You're going to be thinking about changing the world. And so what I want to answer the question today, is this the end? And I'm going to ask, answer actually three questions for you this morning. The first two that I, I can answer clearly. And the third question you're going to have to answer for yourself. So number one, is this the end? Are we in the end to end times? should be one yeah are we in the end times the answer this morning is yes it's yes this is it we are in the last days we are in the end times we are in what the bible would call the end of the age so if you were wondering are we in the last days are we in the end times the answer is yes and i can clearly answer that question not because of the rise of technology or knowledge, not because we seem to be getting closer to a one world government, not because of some microchip that the people in Switzerland are taking or that your dog took. I guess not all dogs go to heaven, man. Some take the mark of the beast, I guess. I don't know. We could pray for your dog. I mean, maybe there's grace. I don't know. That's a joke. These are the jokes, folks. These are the jokes. 
And if you're not laughing now, it's going to be a long two hours. It's not because of any other reason. It's not because of COVID-19. It's not because of the peace deal between Israel and the UAE. It's not because of these reasons that I can firmly say that we are in the end times. It's not even because the embassy was moved to Jerusalem. Not because Israel became a nation in 1948. Well, I do believe all of these events could be significant. And for certain Bible scholars, they are absolutely significant. They believe that they are. But that's not why we're in the end times, folks. Scholars have been debating for years the relevance of events like these things that are happening for so many years. And they're not going to stop doing that. Scholars are going to keep going. But it should also be noted that I, I, I don't get my theology from the headlines. I don't get my theology from the newspaper. I don't get my theology from CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or any other one. I don't get my theology from there. We go to the Bible, not the headlines. We don't read the Bible. Pay attention to this. We don't read the Bible through the lens of current events. We don't read Scripture and go, man, how can I make what's happening now fit into this? Because you can do that. But... You might be wrong, like a lot of other people. We read current events through the lens of the Bible. That's how we read that. That's the order of things. We read current events through the lens of the Bible. We look at the Bible and then look, okay, how does that maybe... We don't do it the other way around. We don't say, oh, COVID-19, this has got to be the end. That's not the order of things. The order of things is, what does the Bible say? And does it say anything about maybe what's happening? Sometimes it doesn't. We don't read the Bible through the lens of current events. We read current events through the lens of Scripture. Make sure that's crystal clear. Are we in the last days? Yes. But not because of anything that's happening on this planet. We're in the last days because the Bible says we're in the last days. Acts chapter 2. Turn there if you would. Acts chapter 2 and verse 16. I don't know where that's going to be. Yeah, here. This is, he says this. No, This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He says this, that the Holy Spirit in the last days, are we living in the last days? In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. The spirit has just been poured out on the believers and they've been filled with the Holy Spirit like Jesus said they would be. Right? This is Acts chapter 2, back a few verses back in the beginning of chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out, and God says, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit. Just like they said they would be, the Holy Spirit is now upon the believers. Is now living in the believers. And they start preaching the gospel. They start speaking in other languages. The Bible calls it other tongues. We can't debate that. The, The languages are the tongues. They begin to prophesy, the Bible says. They begin to preach, and people say, what is happening? And Peter says, it's the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. In the last days, in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, and it's also Joel chapter 2, by the way. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. The last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders 
in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not might be, will be saved. The end times started the day that the church started. That's what he just said. The end of days, the end times started the day the church started. The end times began the same day the church of the Lord Jesus Christ began. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's poured out. And on every and that every day, every single disciple knew, every apostle knew this is the last days. These are the last days. The Spirit of God is being poured out just like the Old Testament prophets prophesied. That was in the book of Joel. It said, these will be the last days when my spirit is poured out. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken by his son. Let me get to that. In these last days, talking about end of times, right? Last In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. By the way, this does not mean that prophecy no longer is real or relevant. It just means that every single prophecy and every single prophet has to go through this filter. The word of God. The word of God. So don't come to me saying God spoke to me and said this. If it doesn't line up with what the word of God says. Whoo, how about that, huh? Someone comes to you and says, oh man, I, I, this is what God told me. A prophet is one that speaks for God, right? So God reveals something to someone. They say, well, hey, God told me this. Um, does it line up with the teachings of God's word? Because that's what it says. The last days he has spoken to us by his son. And so it's not prophecy when your friend calls you up and says, um, hey, um, the Lord told me that I can leave my husband because of this. And you go, where, okay, where's, where's that one, prophet? Where, it, if, if you say you're prophesying and it doesn't line up with what Scripture says, then you're not prophesying. It's not, it's not prophetic. It's not something God told you if it doesn't line up with what his word says. Amen? It might be witchcraft, but it's not the Bible. Right? Because God speaks through His Son, by His Son. Through the teaching of Jesus, through the teachings of Jesus in the Word of God. So every prophecy is in obedience to what the Scripture's already taught. Alright? So be careful. Be very careful what you let in these two little holes in the side of your head. Alright? And I say that to say this. When you hear people speaking for God, anyone on TV or anyone on the internet or any place you're going to go where you hear people speaking for God, it had better line up with what the Word says and not some new revelation. The Bible says nothing is to be added to this Word. So if someone tells you we got new revelation from God, you want to you be real careful. 
about what you let come into your two holes in the side of your head. So it's all in obedience to what the Scripture's already taught. So whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. If you walked up to the author of Hebrews, whoever wrote that, and it's kind of debated, might be Paul, might not be, we're not real, doesn't really say, but if you walked up to the author of Hebrews, whoever that was, and we said, and said, hey, are we in the last days? 2,000 years ago, that author would have said, absolutely, these are the last days. We are in the last days. When did it start? It started on the day of Pentecost when the church started, when the Holy Spirit was poured out. So why the delay? If we're in the last days and have been in the last days, like, what's up? What's, what, why, when's this going to happen? By the way, when you read First and Second Thessalonians, the whole point of the book is the Apostle Paul telling them that you didn't miss the second coming of Christ. Because they, they were kind of concerned. There was a whole church in fear going, we missed it. We missed it. You ever look around and think, did the rapture happen? You talk about making yourself nervous. You walk into like a gathering where there's going to be a, 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 maybe a church gathering or something like that. You walk in, there's no one there. You're like, oh no. But there was a whole church, the, the Thessalonian church. The, they say, well, you know what? We missed it. We're in trouble. Look at all this persecution around us. Look at all the crazy things that are happening. We obviously missed the second coming of Jesus. So Paul writes a letter going, no, 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 you didn't miss it. it it'll be unmistakable. Everyone will know. It'll change. It'll change things. When You'll know. Don't worry. You didn't miss the second coming church of Thessalonica. That's the whole point of the book. So this was the theology of the New Testament church that Jesus could come back at any moment. So why has he not returned yet? Second Peter. But do not forget this one thing. This is chapter 3, verse 8. And I find solace in this. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. Remember, with the Lord... A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Verse 9, here's comfort for the believer. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Lord, why hasn't this happened yet? Come on. Instead, why hasn't the Lord come? He is patient with you, because he needs to be. Thank you. A few people understand. It says that he's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's delay, or what we think of as delay, is actually God's patience. God's giving people opportunity. Aren't there people in your life, you pray for Jesus to come back, right? But aren't there people in your life that you want to see saved? Aren't there people that your heart breaks and aches for them? God, come back, but not right now. Or isn't there some of that? It's like God's giving people opportunity, the opportunity to receive Christ. God is saying, hey, this isn't delay. He would go on to talk about how there would be scoffers who would say, well, where is this return? 
I mean, I thought it was going to happen already. And he would say, just look, this is God's patience. God is so good, so kind. He's giving you every opportunity. He's giving you more time. He, he's, this is God's goodness. It's his patience. So are we in the end times? Yes. But let me just also clarify, you are in your end times. Let me bring it down a little bit into personal space. Yes, there's a big picture of Jesus coming back and his return. But you are also in your end times. What does James tell us? James says that while you don't even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? You are a mist that happens and appears for a little while and then you're gone. You are a, life is a mist. Life is like a vapor, one translation says. Here today, gone tomorrow. It's fast. Fast. Like a snap. Like a... See, Pastor, hey, uh, through the miracle of technology, and I, 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 I might live, they could cryogenically freeze my head, and man, maybe I live to be 500. Well, awesome. 500 compared to eternity? 50 compared to eternity? 110 compared to eternity? 85 compared... It doesn't matter how long you live. It's very short compared to eternity, all right? Life is a mist. And so whether we're in the last days or not, and we are in the last days... Yeah, I want to live a long life. I believe I'll see my, my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. I, I, I believe, I'd like to hope and pray that I live a long life. I'm going to see God do great things. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how long I live. It's short compared to eternity. It's short. So we're, we're in the last days and you're in your last days. Are we in the last days? Yes. Question number two. Is Jesus coming back? Yes. Is Jesus coming back? Yes. Everybody say yes. yes. Amen. We should all believe that Jesus is coming back, okay? That's, that's one of the big ones in, in the Christian life, right? There's the virgin birth, there's the resurrection, and the second coming of Christ. That's one of the big ones. Is Jesus coming back? Yes. But you would be surprised when you tell people that you believe that Jesus Christ is physically coming back one day. You would be surprised in people that claim to be believers. And, oh, I believe in God. What do you? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is going to come back? Well, that's a little far-fetched, don't you think? Is Jesus coming back? Emphatically, yes. So Jesus says you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit, right? You're going to be a witness. That was verse 8. Now in verse 9, he tells us this. And these were his last words as they watched. And he was taken up and disappeared into a cloud. This is Jesus, his last days with his feet on the planet. They stood there staring into an empty sky. And as they watched, he was taken up. Suddenly two men appeared in white robes. They said, you Galileans, why do you just stand there looking up at an empty sky? This very Jesus who was taken from among you 
taken up from among you to, to heaven will come as certainly and as mysteriously as he left. In some translations, maybe more accurately, say that Jesus will come back in the same way that you saw him ascend. Right after he spoke these words, the disciples saw Jesus lifted into the sky and he disappeared into the clouds. They stared at the sky, watching Jesus ascend. Two men in white robes stand beside them and they scared the disciples. They were startled. And he said, hey, hey. I love the exclamation points in in scripture. You Galileans, woo! Why are you looking up into the sky? It would be like them going, hey, you guys were at the Last Supper. When Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, I'm leaving, the Holy Spirit's coming. So stop staring at the sky. Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but he will come back the same way you saw him ascend. Jesus physically, his body, they watched him go up. Can we all agree the scriptures are crystal clear? They watched the body of Jesus, the man, say, I'm out. And whoop, up he went. I mean, if I was there, right, it would be like that. Like, whoa. Like, listen, robed men, whoever they were. You'd be staring at the sky, too. But he said he will return the same way that he left. Physically return. And the Bible says that every eye will see him. He physically left the earth in his body. We're having a dinner and that's the oven timer. And unless I get word that we're out of here. What? Yeah, it is done. Do we have to wait a moment before this? Uh, oh, man, they're getting after. Nobody look. All right. So Jesus will physically return. Physically in his body. And the, the sound when Jesus comes will be a loud beeping. <laughs> That's not. He will return. And, and the first time, the Bible says that he came as a lamb, right? And the second time when Jesus comes, he will return as a lion. The first time he came as a servant. The second time he will come as the king. He rode in a, on a donkey the first time. But the second time he returns into Jerusalem, he will ride on a white horse. The first time he came to die. The second time he will return to defeat his last enemy. The last enemy. Our last enemy. And that enemy is called death. Jesus will come back and death will die. Death will be defeated. Satan's thrown into the abyss. And there will be victory forever for the believer. And everybody should say amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I love this. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Paul said there, there will be a generation that will be alive at the second coming. Is it us? I don't think so. But cool if it is. You see, I'm ready for it. But I'm not living for it. Let me explain. I'm preparing to do kingdom work. I prepare. And I don't just sit there staring up into the sky. And that was the point. You Galileans, don't just sit there. God, Jesus filled you with his Holy Spirit for a reason. Not just to sit there looking in the sky. And not just to sit here on these comfy purple chairs. 
I'm preparing, we are preparing to do kingdom work here at the General Shepherd Church of the Nazarene. I, I prepare, I raise my family, I, I, I tell my kids about the Lord. Does, does that make sense to you? We prepare. I live in such a way that I'm ready for the return, but I also re- prepare in such a way that Jesus maybe won't come back in my lifetime. That's wisdom. He said, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. There will be a physical resurrection. The dead will be raised. The Lord Jesus returns. When he comes on that day, the dead will be raised. And it's going to be so much cooler than the thriller video. Come on, shake your head at me. You know what I mean. It's not going to be hands coming out of the grave. and It's not going to be that. It's going to be way cooler. He's coming back, y'all. I'm, I'm going to come to the altar. Oh, come to the altar. This is a move. No, it's not. It's not. Okay, it's not. But if you died today, if I died today, the, the book of Hebrews says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? Immediately in the presence of the Lord. Our spirit back in relationship with the spirit of God in heaven. But our body goes six feet under. You know, if you've, if you've recently, or even in the past, um, if, if you've been to a funeral graveside, the body is really in there. The body really goes down and gets covered up with dirt. The physical body is there. But there will be a day that our physical bodies will physically resurrect. And I think that's pretty cool. The corruption will take on incorruption and the mortal must put on immortality. This is 1 Corinthians 15 and then verse 54. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death... Where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The day, come on, church, the day that Jesus returns, death dies. That's kind of a weird thing to say. Death dies. The grave is swallowed up in victory. We are resurrected from the dead and we physically go to a physical city called heaven. We will physically with our eyes see a man named Jesus. The Bible says that heaven, you can read this, the Bible says that heaven is about 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles, basically a, a square that's 1,500 by 1,500 miles. High, long, wide, all of that. It's a city that the Bible says will sit down on Jerusalem. Hear me, church. It's not like we're going to be floating around with a harp on a cloud and and high-fiving each other and floating around. We're not going to look like Casper the Friendly Ghost. We're going to be real people on a real place called Earth, living in a real city called Heaven with one another. We are not... This whole idea of us going up into Heaven... Let me rain on your parade. Revelation 21 says this, and I love Revelation 21. This is the fulfillment of all things. 21 verse 3. I heard a voice thunder from the throne. I don't know if I have it. I do. I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look. God, this is the message. God has moved into the neighborhood. 
This has never been about God getting us out of here. Has it ever been? Remember when Jesus, did Jesus take us out? No, what did he do? He came to us. He came here. The same is going to happen at the end of days. God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They are his people and he's their God. It's never been about getting us out of here. It's always been about a garden. It's always been about God communing with man, walking with him in the cool of the day. This has never been about us going to him. It's always been radically different than religion would have taught you. It's God coming to man. It always has been. Always. It's been God with us. It's always been Emmanuel. Are you grateful for that this morning, church? It's always been not us trying to claw our way and to do better and to get to God. It's always been God moving into our neighborhood. Always. Because we're not good enough. We're not holy enough. We're not great enough to get into his neighborhood. So he just moved the whole neighborhood to our neighborhood. This is the good news. They are his people and he's their God. And here we go. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good, the message says. Tears, gone. Crying, gone. Pain, gone. The first order of things, gone. Everything that breaks our heart today, gone. Disease, pandemics, gone. Recessions, gone. Cancer, gone. Death, gone. The enthroned continued. Look, I'm making everything new. And write this down. Each word, dependable and accurate. And then he said, it's happened. I am A to Z, he says. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and I am the conclusion. From the water of life well, I freely give to the thirsty. Conquerors will inherit this. I'll be God to them and they'll be sons and daughters to me. But for the rest, is Jesus coming back? Yes. Are we in the end times? Yes. Those are the two questions. There's one more question that I have to ask you this morning that I can't answer. I could answer the first two. A lot of things I didn't answer, huh? Who's the Antichrist? Is there a rapture? Is there a seven-year tribulation? Are we post, pan, mid? What are we? I'm pan-tribulation. I just believe everything will pan out in the end. (laughs) But there's a lot of questions, right? There's a lot of mysteries. There's a lot of things we don't know. I answered number one and two, but number three, you have to answer, are you ready? Are you ready? Jesus said it like this in Luke chapter 18. He said, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Pastor, how do I know if I'm ready for the second coming of Christ? How do I know if I'm ready? How do I know? How do I know that I can live in these end times and serve God? Faith. Faith. I know for the last few months it's been pretty challenging for all of us, and I I understand, on a lot of different levels. But a lot of people have really kind of lost their faith. A lot of people are really hurting, and they're they're just like desperate, and they... A lot of people have lost their faith. They've fallen back into bad habits and bad lifestyle decisions and addictions and wrong ways of thinking. And a lot of people, are, by this point, are, are just coming back. 
They're saying, man, I just got to get back on track with the Lord. I, I, need, I need him. I need to serve him. Uh, some would call it um, a, a, a revival. Revival, reviving their life again, faith again, hope again, trust again, obedience again, surrender again. And, and he says, you know what? In the last days when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Or will some walk away? Remember in the days of Noah, when the Lord was looking for some faithful people, he found one man in his family. After all that the people of God had been through, so when Jesus does come, will he find faith on the earth? I sure hope so. I I hope he'll find it in me. I hope he'll find it in you. I hope he'll find it in this church. So the last question is, are you ready? Are you ready? Because when you feel like the walls are closing in and the bottom is dropping out and however, whatever phrase you want to use, uh, you can't, when you feel like you just can't handle this and your faith wavers as some has, when he comes back, will he find faith in you? Or will you be one of those ones that, ah, Jesus, I, I meant to, I meant to stay, I meant to, I meant to keep walking with you, Lord. It just, it looks so hopeless. And my doubt crept in and all of my insecurities and uncertainties crept in and, and I just kind of lost my faith. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find it in you? I want to close with a song. Some of you may know it. If you do, sing along. This is one of those ones I gave to Randy at the very, very last moment. So we're going to try to do it. But listen to the words. It's the word of God. And my question is, will he find faith in you? And are you ready? Because there's a very, very real time coming. Go ahead, Randy. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold the tabernacle of God is with man, and he shall dwell with them, and they will be his people, and Almighty God will be with them. He shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow or crying, and no more pain. The former things are all passed away. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Then he said unto me, Write these words. 
for they are faithful and true. And it is done. It is done. It is done. It is done. He is the Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end, the Son of God, the King of kings, Lord of lords, He's everything, Messiah, Jehovah, the Prince of peace is He, the Son of man, seed of Abraham, second person in the Trinity, He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, He's everything, Messiah, Jehovah, the Prince of Peace is He, the Son of Man, Seed of Abraham, second person in the Trinity. He is all those things and more. Would you stand this morning? There's a very real, real, real thing that's going to happen and Jesus is coming back and every every eye will see Him. In fact, the Bible goes on to say that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is a very real time coming. And that means that every knee will bow. <laughs> you'll either bow or you'll bow. Where will you be? Are you ready? In the twinkling of an eye, we read, right? It's going to happen that fast. Is this the end times? Yes, it's the end times. We are living in the end times, and you are living in your end times. It's been said that no one gets out of this life alive, and no one knows. No one knows when you will breathe your last. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm not going to tarry because the food smells good and I don't want that alarm to go off again. (laughs) But I won't delay long. But I do want to offer you this. One simple question at the end of it all. Are you ready? And I don't have to belabor the point. I don't have to shake the bushes so that more berries fall off. I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Are you ready? You know if you are. You know if it's settled between you and God, if there's absolutely nothing between you and Him, if there's nothing hidden, you know that you know if you're ready. How do I know that? Because I stood where you stand. I knew I wasn't ready. And I had to make a decision. I had to make one final decision saying, you know what, Lord, if you come back, I need to be on that ride with you. I need to be there. (laughs) And there was a point in my life where I didn't know. So I'm asking you, are you ready? And as we pray, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to pray for you. I want you to know that you're among the believers and that you're going to live in this very real place called heaven with Jesus. That he will find you one of his. I want you to know that you know. 
No one's going to judge you or look around. That's why I don't have anybody spying and peeking. Because I want you, this is a very personal, sacred moment. You say to me, Pastor, I'm not ready. I need you to pray for me. If that's you and you know for a fact that you're not quite ready and you need to settle it, you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. Pastor, that's me this morning. I, I know I'm not ready, but I need to be ready. Don't, don't, don't want to be ready because you're scared. You, be ready so you can rejoice. One more shot around the, this, uh, this sanctuary and we'll be done. Say, Pastor, I'm not ready, but I need to be. Say, that's me, Pastor. Slip your hand up say, that's me. We've had one say, that's me. Is there any, is there any others? Don't leave here without knowing. You don't hear this message in the world. You hear it right here. If all hearts and minds are clear, we'll pray and then we'll go. Father, in your presence, I pray that you would speak to this one who had the boldness and the courage to raise their hand and say, I need to be ready. Father, would you accept that surrender? God, I pray that you would accept that humble heart that says, you know what? I'm ready. I need to be ready. And before I leave this place, I'm going to settle it between me and God. I, I need to be ready. I accept the fact that Jesus is coming back. I believe that he suffered, bled, and died and was risen again on the third day for my sins. And I'm ready. God said it, said it that settles it. That all we need to do is believe. So Father, I am thankful for this one that's had the courage to say, I, I believe and I need to be ready. I need to be sure. God, would you reveal that confidence to that one that's raised their hand? Would you put that peace in their heart this morning that says, yes, my child, you are ready. If you have believed in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. Be caught up with Him. Raised to new life with Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for providing a way that we even have the opportunity through your grace and the power of your Holy Spirit going before in this service. Preparing hearts. God, we thank you, Lord, for preparing us for your second coming. As we live through these end times, might we say the prayer that's in the very end of your word that John prayed, come soon, Lord Jesus, come. We are ready. And I pray that we are. Father, would you bless the food that we're about to eat? Might it nourish our bodies? Not to serve ourselves, Lord, but to give us energy and strength so that we might serve you and accomplish kingdom work as we prepare for your second coming, might we prepare our lives in such a way that people would see that we trust in you and we would be a witness, Lord, with your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us to this dark world that is right outside these four walls. So God, bless the food. May it nourish our bodies, Lord. And as we leave this place, even into the next room, might we not leave your presence. Might you dwell within our hearts every moment of every day. We're thankful, Lord, and we give you the praise because of who you are. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and it's for his sake that we say amen and amen. You all are welcome. If you're here, you're welcome to stay. 
uh, for the dinner that is right next in the next room. And um, if you have to go, I understand, but you all are welcome. Even if you didn't sign up, you're welcome. Oh, we stopped. Oh.